Welcome everyone to Rules of the Arena episode 37. This episode is made possible by Blind Ninja Studios, where you can find this show and others such as Department of Fence, Homebrew Bound, Soundwave, and Legends of Lothos. And don't forget to check out my new show called No Story Left Behind. This episode is also brought to you by Duck Hill Workshop, a small-scale sawmill and builders of fine furniture. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Duck Hill Workshop. Don't forget to subscribe to their YouTube channel where you can watch episodes of Workshop Wednesday. We are also brought to you by Northwest Gutters. They install heavy gauge seamless gutters on your home, business, and even barns. They even offer a leaf-free gutter cover installation, leaving you with virtually no maintenance gutter cover that will keep the leaves and debris out of in the water in. Servicing northwestern Wisconsin and Minnesota, call or text Northwest Gutters today for your free estimate. Call 715 715- Four one six zero four seven one. In the studio today, it with me is super producer, super producer Casey. Sure am. <laughs> and not Ben. He unfortunately has not had his day pass uh, reinstated by the nursing home. We've been going through the appeals process. Hopefully, he'll be back in October. We'll find out. More importantly, Tony. Hen- I'm not going to butcher your last name. Hennis. Hennis. A local tattoo artist based at Ink Factory right in downtown Hudson, Wisconsin, is joining us tonight. Thank you, Tony, for coming down this evening, and just please introduce yourself a bit to the folks listening. What's up, everyone? Uh, And I'm happy to be here, by the way. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Tony. Uh, Some of you may know me as Sideshow Tony. Now, well, I actually had a listener, well, Justin, uh, asked me to, where did you get the nickname Sideshow? Oh, interesting of Justin to ask. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I was just kind of hanging out at the tattoo shop one day and goofing off, and someone told me to keep it in the circus and called me Sideshow, and we had a nice little chuckle, and that somebody <laughs> happened to be Justin, and uh, kind of as a joke, I decided when I got my LLC to make it Sideshow Tony, and Justin didn't quite believe me until I showed him on the paperwork, and ever since, it's kind of been my name. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm assuming you didn't just wake up one morning and decide, I'm going to be a tattoo artist. Uh, How old were you when you first thought about pursuing an art field as a career? I mean, I always knew I was an artist since as far back as I can remember, the good old days of light brights, tangrams, <laughs> writing on the windows in the fog, um, for the most part. Uh, but as far as pursuing it as a career, that came a little bit later. Probably when I first started seeing tattoos on people is when I really considered, yeah, I, I think that's something I would enjoy. And I was just attracted to it right away. Did you, did you start drawing uh, with... Or did you start with, excuse me, drawing or painting, or were you working with another medium um, before, prior to going into the tattoo industry? You know, I started with drawing. Uh, my first drawings were mostly like dinosaurs and spaceships, <laughs> battleships, uh, sports heroes from just the trading cards I collected. But uh, I dabbled in painting and charcoal a little bit and kind of moved from there. I got into colored pencil drawing for a while. I drew out lot of tattoo flash with colored pencils initially uh dabbled in some watercolors lately i've really been digging prisma markers so did you end up going to school for a degree in the arts or 
Uh, school. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> school's never really been my thing. Uh, so at what point did you think that you wanted to become a tattoo artist? I'd say around the time when I first started seeing other people with tattoos uh, and people I knew started getting tattoos, and that was when I was in high school. And did you already have tattoos yourself, or did those come later on? I got my first tattoo uh, right when I turned 18. It was an awesome experience for me, and it wasn't long before I was back in the chair to get another. Uh, I'm always wanting more tattoos. Uh, since I was became a parent at a fairly early age, I've kind of had to choose my priorities, and I, <laughs> I know when the timing is right, I'll get the tattoos that I deserve, and I, there's a lot that I want right now. Um, but there's nothing about the ta- tattoo process that can afford to be rushed. So in order to get the best possible outcome and something you can be proud of, I think waiting till the time is right and finding the right artist to do what you want is important. You're saying you can't just put money away if you have kids? They're expensive? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, priorities. (laughs) Depends. So I imagine moving from a paper canvas to tattooing people uh, might have been quite the change. Did you practice prior to going in commercially? Yeah, I practiced drawing a lot, uh, mostly replicating Sailor Jerry Flash, thanks to my best friend Jeff for the inspiration and for always donating his skin for me to learn. Um, I also had to practice on myself, of course. Uh, But a huge shout-out goes to my friend Jeff Gregerson for pushing me into the industry when he knew that it was something I wanted to do and was hesitant to get into. He always kind of encouraged and helped me take that leap. Were you studying other artists, you know, to kind of develop your style or what has influenced you over the years? Absolutely studied a lot of other artists and I'll never stop studying other artists in order to learn and continue to grow as an artist. I think that's very important. Um, One of my first inspirations I guess was some of the artwork I would see on heavy metal albums and t-shirts along with graffiti art I would see on the roadsides, trains and different things Uh, lately I've been studying a lot of Japanese artists and art and I really dig the the way that you can transfer that into tattooing and make it flow on the human body in ways to be appealing to the human eye do you follow other tattoo artists or just artists in general on social media and kind of see something like, oh, how do I do that and work on it? Or have you ever reached out and asked them for tips or cues? You know, actually, uh, I think it's important to reach out to other artists uh, every now and then I have. Um, I've had some reach out to me. Uh, it's awesome to hear when somebody is appreciative of something that you've done and reaches out to you, especially an artist that you look up to. Uh and I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> well, how would you describe your style? Well, um, I mean, I, I like to think I'm pretty well-versed in my style, but uh, I do a little bit of everything, dabble with here and there, but my favorite style is going to be traditional and neo-traditional Japanese. Uh, I like to do a lot of script work, uh, but just about anything to to fill the body part and make it look appealing is fun for me. Um, 
but I also enjoy doing the little ones. I mean, the meaningful things for people. Sometimes it's just a, a signature from a loved one that passed away. And, and to me, that means a lot too. Do you, do you ever get sick and tired of the atypical tattoos, the, the dandelion blowing in the wind, if you will? <laughs> you know, sometimes like the infinity signs and different things, but you know, I know they're meaningful to that person in that time. Um, so I try not to, I, I, I try to do everything with a smile on my face and put my best effort into it because I know even though it might not be meaningful to me, how meaningful it is to my clients. So uh, how did you first get started in the industry? I mean, were you doing online applications? Did you walk into a shop and apply that way? Or did you have to go through an apprenticeship? Is that the standard, the standard operating procedure, if you will? Yeah, most shops aren't going to have online applications. You're going to have to walk in and show them an earnest desire to to want to learn the craft. Um, I walked into several shops initially, uh, and it requires a big commitment. Being that I had my son full-time, uh, making a commitment to a seven-day-a-week job that I really wasn't going to make any money at right away wasn't necessarily an option uh, for me right away. Uh I do recommend getting tattooed at a shop before you go and apply there for a job just to get to know the people there um, and make sure it's going to be a spot that you vibe well, you feel happy, like you can create in that environment. So if I'm a new up-and-coming tattoo artist, should I say that I want to work here first before getting a tattoo or get the tattoo and then say, I would like to work here? That's a good question. I would say get the tattoo um, see how it goes, uh, because I mean, if if you say that you want to work there, it might the way that the day goes about might be a little bit different versus just kind of feeling it out and and seeing how things go and and how you vibe with everyone around there. Um, to me, the most important thing to look for in a shop is to make sure that it's a place that you feel comfortable and a place that you can find inspiration for your creativity. Uh, and you know, like I said, making sure you vibe with everybody is key. Uh, since you're going to be around everybody in the shop day in, day out, uh, make sure that, uh, it's a positive environment really that you feel comfortable. What are shop owners looking for? Like if, again, if I'm the trying to get a job somewhere, what should I expect from a shop owner or what should I bring into as a resume, if you will. Well, um, you're going to want to for sure bring in some artwork that you've done. Uh, absolutely. I mean, if you have a portfolio, that's the greatest thing they're going to be asking for. You know, your best works of art. What are you proud of? Uh, as far as what shop owners are looking for, it, it kind of depends on the person also. Um, I think the most important thing is a true desire to learn and grow in the craft. And I don't think they're just going to let you come in there, show them your stuff, and then kind of just call you back. You're going to probably have to come back and show that, yes, I'm I'm interested in this. What did you think about my stuff? You know, is can we go forward from here? They're not just going to keep reaching out to you. You're <laughs> going to have to do the work. And... For, did you, when you first started, were you, did you have any artists or shops that you knew you wanted to work with, or did you just 
I need a job. I got to pay the bills. I got to take care of my kid. Good question. Uh, you know, there's a ton of famous artists that it would be awesome to work beside. Uh, but for me, it comes down to my family. Uh, what's going to afford me the best I can do for my kids. Traveling isn't necessarily the greatest option for me. I would love to be a traveling tattoo artist. Doesn't mean that it's out of the question here and there to do some traveling, but, uh, Overall, I just kind of wanted to pick a spot close to home. Um, and, you know, one of the most important sayings to me is passion over profit. Uh, and I just wanted to work somewhere that I felt I could use my passion to do the things that I can be proud of and afford myself time and money to do things with my children. Oh, it, I've seen, at least on social media, kind of more and more, like you said, the traveling artists doing guest spots or the conventions, whatever the case may be. Is that a really big part of the market or is that just a few select that have managed to build a really nice resume and rep and, and social media following? And so they're being asked to do this or a little bit of both. Um Obviously, there's a lot of the heavy hitters out there, you know, a lot of the famous guys that are at all the conventions that they travel for a living and they get to travel the whole globe. And it, it seems like a fun lifestyle, I think, at least for a while. I'm sure they take their breaks and go to home base every now and then, too. But, uh, I mean, a lot of the local shops, like when the Minneapolis Tattoo and Arts Convention comes through town, a lot of the local guys each year will go to that one. And maybe that's the only one they do for that year. Oh, for you personally, is there are there any dream shops or conventions that you would like to work at? I don't really have a dream shop to work at, uh, but I do have goals to travel and visit many. Um, Japan is one place I will eventually travel to and get tattooed at, uh, as well as New York. There's a lot of history there. Um, I'll also be going back to Colorado and visit my friend, Colorado Kim, at the Denver City Tattoo Club. Looking forward to making a visit down there again. <laughs> now, when you go to these places, say, you know, Japan or New York, do you have a piece in mind that you would like to get done? Or do you just want to walk in and like, my left leg is yours, go crazy? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I have, there's so many pieces that I would love to get right now. I would probably just run a bunch of ideas by them and whatever one jumps out at them is, that sounds fun to me. I want to do that. I'll just let them go to town with. Have you ever thought about starting your own shop up? Um, as far as starting my own shop, I've thought about it. Uh, the time and effort it takes to start your own shop is a considerable feat. Uh, once my children are grown, maybe. Uh, right now, I'm just focused on being a dad as well as a tattooer. And I don't want to miss any of the milestones with my kid just because I wanted to open up my own shop right now so maybe in the future but for right now i'm really happy being an artist i'll kind of change gears a little bit if i'm a new artist you know i i have a handle on the art side of things but i'm not really working commercially yet and i just got hired by a shop i mean do i have equipment and ink supplied to me or do i need to bring that in myself uh, usually a new apprentice artist uh, is around the shop for a while before picking up a machine um, and everyone's journey is different. 
Well, I supplied most of my own things. Sometimes shops will help an artist to get started until they can afford their own equipment. Just kind of depends on the situation, I guess. Uh, supplies are pretty expensive, and it's not something everyone looking to get a tattoo really considers. Uh, but uh, oftentimes, equipment is shared between artists, and uh, sometimes it's just, hey, I ran out of this. Uh, you, what do you, can, can I borrow this from you today? And nine times out of ten, everyone's going to be like, absolutely, like, here, have this, and hit hit me back when I run out of something. Um, sometimes you just want to try something out instead of forking out a whole bunch of money to buy it. So uh, your fellow artists will be like, hey, try out this new machine I got before you spend $500 and buy another one of your own. Yeah, I was watching a video on, I want to say Facebook or in, in, anyway, he had like a nice traveling, it looked like it was a bulletproof case. And inside, he had probably nine different guns or uh, machines with like the the foam was cut out for him, which I'm sure he did himself. And he's like unboxing this new machine, and he's like, "Oh, this one was only a thousand dollars." Like, you have nine there. Why did you need number ten for a thousand dollars? But hey, you know, well, teach your own. I collect I collect craft beer and scotch. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> as a seasoned artist, what? should you look for what do i look for when i'm now shopping around for a new machine well first of all i'll always consider myself to be a growing artist but thank you (laughs) um and as far as machines go i've always liked coil machines i've used a couple of rotary machines and have plans to buy another one soon uh best thing to do is to try out a machine and just see what suits you uh it's important to stay open-minded when choosing that for yourself um, and I enjoy collecting them also, you know, kind of like a relic, you could say. Put them on the, the glass box display back home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Treasure them. My precious. So I work in the paint industry, and the paint industry, has, the technology has changed widely over the last 30 years. Have you seen a big technology improvement on your side, whether it be the machine or the inks over the time? Yeah, yes and no. Um, you know, I, I would say the biggest improvements are going to be more in the sterile side of things. Uh, as far as machines go, yeah, they've brought out, uh, rotary machines recently. Those are always developing and changing. Uh, but with coil machines, the same old geometry that they've always had, um, there's just different people that make them and the quality of the machine really depends on the maker. Uh, one of the things that I really like are the use of disposable products and I mean you don't have to worry about well did did the autoclave get up to temp you know everything's all used once disposed of nice and sterile Um, I think that's a great improvement in the industry another new thing that has come up in recent years is a lot of artists are doing all their designs on their tablets instead of by hand which is convenient I guess I mean say you're riding in a plane or riding in a car or whatever, and you could just pull out your tablet and you can draw up your tattoo instead of having to need a desk and a paper and a pencil and all these references. And I mean, it just simplifies it a little bit, but I still, I still kind of do it the old school <laughs> way and I like to draw a lot of my stuff. So you said autoclave up to temp. What does that mean? Well, I mean, a lot of times they 
run tubes and stuff through the autoclaves um, and you just got to make sure that your your stuff is getting cleaned at the right temperature and pressure to make sure it's sterile um, I mean pretty much every shop that does that is going to be on top of that not all the time it's not 100% reliable whereas disposable products it's never been used before and it's guaranteed to be cleanly and what when you're saying rotary versus coil i mean what's the difference between the two um the rotary machines are much quieter i would say that's the biggest difference that someone would notice uh between the two when going into a shop coil machines are just kind of how it all started um but they're still used today by many artists and I mean, it's probably pretty close to equal in t- as far as what artists use which. I would say half of them are probably going to use a coil machine, half are going to use a rotary. It just kind of depends. Some people use both, depends on the day, whatever they're feeling. Is there a big advantage towards one or the other? Or are they? is it more who's using it? Yeah, who's using it, personal preference, um... And maybe the the type or style of tattoo. No, you know, in your case, you know, if a, a sales rep, if you will, were to reach out to me and say, "Well, our machine is so much better because it's a, it's this motor versus that motor," it's really them just talking it up. It's more of you'd say the the artist behind it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, a good artist could probably pick up a machine that's not as quality as the nicest newest machine on the market and do just as good of a job if not better and do suppliers or companies reach out to you and say hey we got this new bright and shiny thing we want you to try it out whether it's the machine itself or the inks i mean i've never had that happen (laughs) but that would be pretty sweet uh (laughs) maybe some of the Big name guys have a couple sponsors here and there, but for the most part, you're going to have to do your research and figure out what you want. And the best way to do that is going to be reaching out to other artists, asking fellow artists, uh, coworkers, or artists at other shops, or an artist that you're getting a tattoo done by. Uh, hey, what do you prefer? And, and I think that's the best thing to do is word of mouth and from ex- learning from other people's experiences as well as your own. And aside from the machines, of course, there's the ink itself is important. I've talked to other artists and they've mentioned, you know, the technology has changed. Like I said, in the paint industry, I've seen leaps and bounds difference. I have a few pieces that have faded over the years, partially because of skin, partially because of the technology 10 years ago was different than it is today. Is there a good way to research inks as to what's good or bad? Or is it just a trial and error that's an interesting question and you know some of the people i've been tattooed by especially the old timers swear by some of the older inks um i get that and lead-based paint (laughs) who's mixing them and but a lot of times i mean you just a lot of times the newer products are great too um i know they've developed them a lot over the last decade or two so i mean it's hard to say it kind of depends who you ask ask 10 artists get nine and a half different questions kind of situation pretty much yeah (laughs) so if you're i'm a new artist and i'm fully equipped i'm ready to start a shop how do you start finding clients like you said you know when you first start off you weren't going to be making a lot of money 
Mm-hmm. Did you call on friends or family right out the gate? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, nobody's going to be doing amazing tattoos right out the gate like that. So having good friends willing to donate skin is pretty necessary. Uh, I think it's important to tattoo yourself also when you're first beginning um, because you're going to be putting your reputation on the line every tattoo you do. Uh, you know, it's it's not fair to others to just use them all as guinea pigs unless they really know what they're getting into, and that's why reaching out to your good friends is, is going to be important. Um, and, you know, it's, it's also important to do that in a shop environment where if you do get overwhelmed in a piece, you're going to have the shop owner to call on and, and help you out. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm over my head in this one. I need to get bailed out hard. <laughs> and, and then they'll give you some pointers and help you get through it. Have you ever had had that happen to you? Uh, actually, yeah, yeah, I did one time. It was fairly embarrassing with my <laughs> cousin, you know, but uh, I was able to get the help I needed and get through it, and they turned out. So, is that a situation where your your well, in this case, your cousin's sitting there, and you go, "Hey, come give me a hand with this," or do you go in the back room and be like, "Son of a bitch, I, I, I how am I going to do this?" I would say most of the time that would be something you would go into the back room for, but being that it was my cousin, I think it was, I, I felt comfortable doing that. And of course, you know, with the the uh, social media being as popular as it, as, as it is, do you see a lot of clients coming in from online or are they walk-ins or do you get a lot of referrals from other people that you've worked with? You know, a lot of my clients are going to be return customers, repeat clients, or clients or people that I have tattooed someone and their friend told or they told their friend and their friends like, "Hey, a friend of mine told me to come see you." Um, that's going to be most of the business. Word of mouth is better than any form of advertising, I could say. I mean, obviously, there's going to be walk-ins that want to get tattooed here and there. Uh, sometimes they're just going to be walking to every shop and find who can tattoo me right here, right now? <laughs> and sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. Kind of how it goes. Uh, another good way to gain clients is just to do good work so that you get good reviews left about you. And you'd be surprised how many people hop on Yelp or Google <laughs> or Facebook and read the reviews and, and go that route, too, to, to choose a shop. I imagine you see a wide gamut of people. I mean... Has any of them left a lasting impression on you, or have they turned around and said that you've left an impression on them? Uh, that's a good question, and yes, absolutely. I do a lot of meaningful tattoos for people, uh, and I hear a lot of different stories behind the tattoos, and anytime someone decides to open up and tell me a, one of these stories, I, I always cherish them, and I cherish the moments and emotions that occurred during our sessions. And I also do a lot of recovery tattoo, tattoos covering up scars. And when clients feel comfortable opening up about the meaning behind these types of tattoos, it brings me great joy. I try not to press and pry for information, but most of the time after they're under the machine for a while, they kind of just start talking about that stuff. And I see it as a positive experience for, for them to grow from something that 
might have been a negative thing for, or experience for them and turn it into a positive piece of artwork that they can be proud of. And uh, when they look in the mirror for the first time after I get done covering up a scar where somebody was cutting themselves or, or something and they get this great big smile, it, uh, I think I, I'm as happy as they are when I see that. It, it, it's a cool experience, a cool thing, and a cool way to connect with somebody in a meaningful way that that connection is going to be there for the rest of their life. Uh, every time they look in the mirror and they see that tattoo and they're like, wow, and they're, they're proud of it and they're going to remember me and it, that's awesome. And I believe in tattooing as a form of therapy for that reason. Yeah, there's, I, I think there's a definite, like, form of trust that has to be there because you're now well in my case if you're tattooing me I'm trusting you with this piece of work that I'm going to carry the rest of my life I mean do you find yourself having these long deeper conversations if you will I mean yeah there's there's huge trust there I think um I mean it's a permanent thing that you can't ever take back and I think establishing that trust is huge and that's why I really recommend um, sitting down with your artist, making a consultation beforehand, making sure that you're on the same page, uh, just so that you got you you know that what you're going to get is something that you want, really. And how would you? How many would you guess of returning clients have you had over the few over the years? Boy, percentage uh, wise. Oh, percentage wise, that's a that's a tough question, you know, because. You'll tattoo somebody and you'll do just do the outline and then all this stuff will come up for them and you won't hear or see from them. They'll have a kid or the car will break down and you know they want to get it finished, but you understand uh, life happens. Um, but overall, I would say most of the bigger pieces that I've started, the majority of them will come back and get it finished and come back for more after that being in the industry well how long have you been tattooing now professionally i would say four years now so after four years if you were given a little magic wand and there's anything you'd change on either being on your side as the artist or uh, being a client yourself is there anything that you would change because you don't like it um that's another good question uh you know one of the frustrating things in tattooing can be a client's unrealistic expectations <laughs> and a lack of patience on their part. Uh, I've kind of learned over the years that just to laugh it off and move on with my day. Uh, I see a lot of cringeworthy tattoos and I wish that people didn't have to go through that experience. Uh, but cover-ups are a fun challenge and keep me busy. So it's hard to find something I'd really like to change. I, uh, Lately, I've really found more peace of mind focusing on what I'm doing, um, that concerning myself with the things that others are doing. That I found a lot more peace of mind focusing on what I'm doing than concerning myself with the things that others are doing that I don't like. Now, with that, the cringy tattoos, I mean, have you drawn up, or are there any pieces that you could never do again and be totally happy? Um, well... You know, I, I generally don't recommend tattooing your significant other's name. 
I've done enough cover-ups of those, including some that I even tattooed in the first place. Uh, I'll always try and maybe sway your decision on that a little bit. But uh, overall, it's hard to say. I, I, I try to do everything with a smile on my face and just give it my best because even though I might think, yeah, this is a regrettable decision, it's probably pretty meaningful to that person at that time. So, and is have you ever drawn up a piece or saw something from someone else that you're like, I really want to do that, but you haven't had the opportunity yet? Yeah, you know, I have a, several pieces of flash I have drawn up that I'm like, just I've been stoked to draw and want to tattoo. Um, oftentimes, I post them on my Instagram and. He, Every now and then, somebody will snag it and be like, hey, I want that. And I'm like, rad, let's do it. But, uh, you know, it, pretty much any big projects are going to be, like, super fun, and I'm just stoked to start something big overall. Uh, but, like like I said, things that I've drawn up, I'll generally post so that people can see and, and just come to me and be like, yep, let's do it. But... Uh, I also like doing funny ideas or video game themes, tattoos, anything fun like is like that is fun for me. Now, if I'm now, I have a few tattoos myself. In the beginning, I was nervous as all can be. Uh, but if I'm if someone's listening who wants to go in for the first time, I mean, can they just walk in and do shops have portfolios available just to kind of look through, or? Should they go, should the focus be more online and find an artist locally, whatever the case may be? You know, a lot more people are doing the online portfolios these days, uh, but I still think it's a good idea to walk into the shop, check out portfolios, meet with the artist, set up a consultation. Um, the worst case that could happen after you set up a consultation is you just don't feel like it's clicking right and... You just are like, well, I don't think I'm going to book an appointment today. Um, and maybe you set up a consultation with another artist and move on from there. But maybe you set up a consultation and you're like both on the same page clicking. And if that's the case, then go ahead and book the appointment right then and there. So if I don't book in consultation, can I just walk in and talk with the artists that are there that day and just kind of bounce some ideas off, you know, try to keep my expectations a little bit more realistic oftentimes sometimes you know you get busy you get behind in your day and and you're not going to be able to to really chit chat with someone about ideas uh if i have time i'll always try and talk to somebody that makes an effort to come in person and visit the shop um otherwise i mean if i'm backed up on a busy day and I'd be like, hey, why don't we make a consultation? I'd love to chat with you another time. Unfortunately, now is not a good time. And as an artist, I mean, how do you manage the expectations? Um, I try not to let it get to me too much when uh, client expectations are more than I have to offer and just kind of shrug my shoulders and say, hey, I'm I, not Superman. I can, can't do everything. <laughs> um, you know, if... if if you need to get tattooed right this very moment and I booked, I'm just going to say, well, I'm sorry it can't happen right now, but I, I can get to you in the future. Let me know what you decide. Well, what if they come in with, you know, the um, 
who who painted Starry Night? Is that um, oh, Vincent Van Gogh? Van Gogh. Yeah. Van Gogh. If they come in with Starry Night and they go, I want this as a as a piece on my calf. I mean, mm-hmm. how do you manage something like that? I mean, I think that'd be doable. I don't see why not. <laughs> Just thinking, you know, they're, they're three feet away versus ten feet away. It's you know, I I don't know art, mm-hmm. so I know music. But I don't know art, but um, you know, a complicated piece. I mean, if somebody comes in that's just so wildly out there. As an artist, can you kind of walk them back down to yeah, manageable expectations? Say, mm-hmm. here's what I can do. Here's what I can't. This is why. Yeah, I get a lot of people that come in and they want a whole bunch of script on their arm and they want it really tiny. And I'm like, well, I just, just to let you know, this is going to look like a blob a few years <laughs> down the road. So maybe if we blew it up a little bit or changed it a little bit in this way or that, uh, it would turn out better. I'd... I'd don't want to do a tattoo that I know 10 years, 20 years down the road is not going to look good. And I, nine times out of 10, when I tell them that they're willing to take advice and kind of be like, well, I'm glad you said that instead of just doing it. Cause I see a lot of people come in with tattoos that somebody just did and it's already a blob and they asked me to fix it. And I'm like, some things you can fix, but some things you can't. And when, when it's just black ink blobbed out like that, there's really not a whole lot of hope there. And if somebody's listening that's looking at getting their first tattoo, what are some good boxes they can you know check off as a client going into the first session? Well, uh, I would say asking to see a portfolio like we talked about, knowing that your expectations are realistic. Uh, price shopping is not a wise choice when it comes to tattooing. Don't don't go from shop to shop and just bring the same piece of art and say how much can you do this for um, as a tattoo artist we're really just not huge fans of that uh, go in there talk to them see if they're interested in it if they're just like meh maybe go somewhere else if they're like I would love to do that for you take some time chat with them talk about it um, let's see well meeting the artist in person that's kind of what I was been saying this whole time but uh yeah if if you meet them in person they're happy to do it you have a good feeling about it that that's going to be your number one really Uh, i i personally have gone into shops and just kind of asked for here's what i want to do what do you think is is it going to cost just so i have a an ex you know so i can you know make sure that i it's in my budget i mean would you say that's okay i mean is there a way yes. to word that without sounding like karen who's bitching about the price of her starbucks <laughs> you know when, when people come in and ask for a price sometimes it's kind of like well and i think about it and i'm just like well you know they just they need to know a ballpark price so i'll give them a range I, i'm never like well i'm gonna do that for this price i i'm always gonna say well that could be three to five hundred depending how big we do it, how much detail you want to do, how long it takes is the number one factor. Um, I mean, you could do a a tattoo and it could take half a day, or you could do the same tattoo and have it take three hours and just kind of simplify the details in it. And it really is up to the client and their budget. I try to talk them into doing, to going all out and doing it really nice. But if they really are dead set on getting a tattoo, and they're okay with it being a little bit simpler or maybe maybe they just start out with the line work like if 
if the whole cost of the tattoo is more than what they can afford at the time, start out, do the line work, come back when you have a little bit more money, we'll finish it and we'll get a really the best end product that we can. Would you say price is a fair measurement of quality? Where I go to shop A and I'm told it's going to be $1,000, but if I go to shop B, it's only going to be $400. Or should I look at their portfolios and see yeah, what is their you know, quote-unquote skill level or does their style jive with what I'm looking for? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say definitely uh, looking at the portfolio just to know that, hey... I want a portrait done and this person has never done a portrait looking at their portfolio and they gave me this high price for it. Generally, that's not going to be a good option for you. So yeah, I would say look at the portfolios, make sure that your expectations are going to meet the reality of the situation. But on the flip side of that, say I just want to get a single band one inch wide around my forearm Mm -hmm. and a shop quotes me a thousand dollars. I mean, mm-hmm. should I should that raise a red flag in my head and say, eh, maybe I should go to someone else because they're literally just going to take one ink color and go around my arm a couple times. Yeah. And, and you know, obviously, if you were going to go down and see some super famous artist, that's going to be three hundred dollars an hour. That could be the case. And it's that price is going to be inflated just so you can say you got it done by so-and-so. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I would go, I would shop around. If, if you think that the quote is a little bit unrealistic or crazy unrealistic, maybe go to a couple artists and say, hey, what would this cost? And, and one thing that I wouldn't do is say, hey, they quoted me this much. Can you do it for cheaper? Uh, tattoo artists generally aren't a huge fan of that statement. And for anyone listening that might be on the fence about starting a career or had just started working as a tattoo artist, I mean, is there any advice that you would offer them? Yes. Uh, Always keep drawing. Stay in your lane and take pride in what you do. And last but not least, but most importantly, if anyone is wants to take a look at your portfolio, portfolio, excuse me, or schedule an appointment with you, uh, how can they get in touch? Um, well, you could contact me directly on my Instagram. That is side underscore show underscore Tony. You could call the shop, Ink Factory, Tattoos and Body Piercing, right in downtown Hudson, uh, 715-381-2957. Um, or you can get a hold of me through email, sideshowtony13 at gmail.com. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Tony, for taking the time out of your evening to be on the show. And thank you, Casey, for putting up with us for another night. Uh, It's no problem, man. No problem. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me, man. That was a blast. Yeah. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode. It wouldn't be possible without all of you. Make sure to follow the show on Twitch, where you can tune into the show and join the conversations live. Just head over to twitch.tv slash rules of the arena. You can also find this show and others on blindninjastudios.com slash ROA. Also available for download and streaming on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and CastBox. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can watch live recordings of previous episodes. Don't forget to check out my new show called No Story Left Behind, a podcast featuring military veterans talking about their careers while served in the armed forces. If you'd like to support the shows... 
There's a couple ways you can help out. Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You can also support the show directly by going to patreon.com slash rules of the arena podcast. I have a couple ways you can help out there. If you'd like to get a hold of me directly for any comments, concerns, or would like to be a guest on the show, please shoot me an email to roapodcastinfo at gmail.com. Thanks again, folks, and we will catch you next time.